Welcome to the Events Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Taylor, and each week I talk with event entrepreneurs about how they plan, promote, and run their events. We help you build your events empire by growing your business using live events. Whether you're running community meetups, conferences, trade shows, IT training, music events, or literally any type of event, we focus on finding actionable tips that you can use straight away. The podcast is sponsored by Apps Events. We produce over 300 of our own events across the globe every year, from training to conferences, and we're now sharing our expertise to a small group of event professionals. There's a couple of ways we can help you. Firstly, we can run the logistics for your event. We have a whole support team who can handle all the heavy lifting for you. We can help set up your website and agenda, liaise with your speakers, deal with the huge volume of questions you'll get from attendees, we can liaise with venues, and we can come to the event to actually run it for you on the ground. Get in touch with james at appsevents.com and we'll jump on a call to see if we can help. Secondly, I offer one-on-one coaching to help event entrepreneurs grow their events. I want you to get more attendees, produce epic events, make more money, and most importantly, to do it all with no stress. So just email me at dan at appsevents.com and we'll jump on a call. And now, on to the interview. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be talking to Lavelda Vincenzi. Now, if you recognize the name, uh, I spoke to her husband, Simone, uh, the other week about building a seven-figure speaking and events business. And uh, he recommended to talk to you. And I had a look at your website, and it's really interesting. You're a, a compare, a host, an MC. You do a lot of things kind of on stage. And this is a super interesting topic for me. How do people get into this? So, so welcome to the podcast. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. I love talking about this stuff. It just like delights me. I'm like, yay, I get to talk about my area of expertise. Woohoo! Yeah, no, it's, it's cool. Yeah, that's, that's what I like people like who like to, you know, it's, it's good to enjoy what you do. No one enjoys everything about their job, but it's good to find something you actually, you know, enjoy. Like it's, it, people undervalue how important that is, you know, in life. Well, I think if you're going to spend most of your life doing it, then it may as well be something that lights your fire. I mean, before I did this, I worked in sales for you. I was an accidental salesperson. That's how yeah. I put it. I didn't mean to be in sales. I was doing operational project management type roles. And then one of the managers conned me into moving across to sales because they said they thought I'd be really good at managing some of the accounts. I didn't realize that was a sales role, yeah. um, but then I got addicted to the commission. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like... And it feels like everyone should learn how to sell. You know, I had a sales job when I was young and it's really like, it's a skill that people kind of look down on salespeople, but it's it's a, one of the most essential skills in life, really, to be able to sell. You know, I think if you you've got to learn sales and you've got to learn money, and I think if you want to be in yeah. business and you are scared of sales or you don't know how to manage money, you are going to struggle. Even if you have success, like yeah. the number of business owners, so much money flows through their hands, and each month they may as well be in a job where there's more month at the end of the money. It just doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter. The money doesn't go far enough until you can master those two things. So yeah, definitely cash flow and um, yeah. And you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you've just got to save money. So you've got to have a like you know. When I run my business, I just put so much aside every month to you know investments or whatever. And I think you have to have that mentality. Otherwise, you might as well just get a job. You know. Well, the current situation says it all, doesn't it? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. You were in the event space, and you thought don't worry, next month will be cool. I mean, one month came around oh, and the whole it's, industry. It's, yeah, just, definitely. I mean, so if, you don't, if you don't think it's necessary, just take COVID-19 as exhibit yeah, A. <laughs> it is definitely. I mean, I'm lucky in a sense that we work in education. So we work a lot with Google and we still have the Google work, which is online. So 
like in terms of app events, our company is definitely down, but but we're surviving because of the Google relationship, which is great, and because you know we're doing a lot of online training, which is mm-hmm. you know it's it's no substitute, but it's better than nothing, you know, and and, and it you know and that's a whole new skill to to get into, you know, the online world of, of training. So, but look, before we get into this, I want to let because you've got a very exotic background. You, I, we just started talking about it, and I, I'd love to hear more. Like uh, we started out by saying you were, you were from Papua New Guinea originally, because I, I, I thought you had an Australian accent. So can you tell me a bit about like where you grew up and, and what your background is, et cetera? Yeah, I think I think I put on my website something like um, made, in a, made in the Caribbean, um, create, uh, refined in, in the South Pacific, yeah. and, and, um, and mastered in the United Kingdom is probably yeah. the best way of putting it. So my family's originally from the Caribbean, from a oh, tiny group of islands called the Turks and Caicos. Oh, yeah, sure. I tell, yeah, I tell people, don't ask me too much. It's a very beautiful city, very beautiful country. I left when I was three. Yeah. I really can't, I can't make any recommendations. My accent sounds nothing like that. So I go yeah. home and they don't believe I'm from there. They think I'm a fraud. Um, but then I move, we moved to the South Pacific, total other side of the world. My Wait, first school. You Did your parents get work down there or something? My father was an avionics engineer and... Okay my mother found a job for him in the Solomon Islands. Like she knew right. where that was. Um, so, right. You know, he went over culturally completely different. So he told yeah. my mother nothing. And then she trepsed over a few months later, I think it was with me and my baby sister. I've got two sisters. The third was born in Papua New Guinea. Right. Um, but my first school was an American missionary school. My next two schools were international schools. Um, so because of the proximity of, Papua New Guinea to Australia. A lot of my teachers were Australian or New Zealanders, hence the yeah. twang. Yeah. Um, and then by the time I moved to the UK, nothing would stick. So I don't even sound British, really. <laughs> yeah. Well, why did you come to the UK? Uh, Papua New Guinea got a bit dangerous. Um, really? Yeah, there was some shooting it's out at the airport. And I think at that point, my mom was like, I think it's time we leave. Um, yeah. If people can get onto the tarmac at the airport and right, shoot right. up a plane, I think it's now time that we go somewhere else. So yeah, just the political situation and the uh, it, it was getting a bit too dangerous. My mother wasn't comfortable anymore. Right. So she got online again and found my father a job. This time it happened she, to be- She, in, all his jobs she did, she did. Right. She found him another job. Um, right. And this time it happened to be in England. Uh, yeah. So that's where we moved. And I've been living in the UK ever since. Oh, cool. So did you, were you still in school when you came to England then? Yeah, I came when I was, uh, I think I was about 16. So I okay. did- my A-levels, my university, like pretty much, I finished my GCSEs. I finished all of my education here in the UK. Right. Oh, cool. And I guess, is it London? Because obviously you're in London now. Is that, is that where you've been living the whole time? Oh, even in my, I didn't stay in one place. That would be too, okay. si- too simple. So we <laughs> we moved to um, Hertfordshire and then Essex. And then I went to uni in the uh, in Loughborough up in the Midlands. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah. then I worked for Microsoft for a while. So I was down in Reading because uh, that's where they're based. Uh, and then I came and moved to London, but they okay. sent me to Bristol for a year. Um, and then when I came back to London, it's pretty much where I've settled. So I've been in London most of my adult life. Right. Uh, and then up until sort of my early 20s, I was kind of like all over the place. Like every year I was just moving. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, it's good to move around. You know, I think it's, uh, I, I, it depends on your personality type. I, I, I love it. You know, I've lived in all kinds of places. And, you know, even though it's funny, uh, I've got two small children now. I'm just talking to my wife, like we're thinking of going out to Asia, you know, we, we, we're doing a lot in Asia now. And I've, I love it now. Like I love like Hong Kong and, and Thailand and all these countries. So we're thinking we may head out there next year, you know, and just, just live there for a couple of years. It's not for everybody, but I think, 
you have a very different perspective on the human race and on differences sure. and people and a, and, a, and a much more open understanding. Um, it, it's yeah. kind of as if you, because you've indulged in so many different cultures, what what is true gets moved. You know, I think if you live in the same country the whole time, everybody yeah. believes the same thing. And see, all things, things are a particular way. But when you, you see, traveled you a lot, you're like, nah, they do it totally different. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah, and, and you see some things that are the same everywhere. Like it's funny because like the world's so American dominated, but you know, Americans have a, opinion about all all these topics you know like lots of things but but it's this is the the only way they know is the american perspective you know but then you, you see the same things but in different countries but it's always a bit different and some similarities and i think the more countries you live you just you know you don't have this monocultural perspective you know you you see everything as like well i saw it here but it was a bit different and you know you, you can compare it a lot more you know and it's different to being on holidays in different places. Like it's a completely different experience to live somewhere sure, for, yeah, for yeah, a year yeah. or so than it is to, to holiday there. Cause you just don't, I don't care how much you like to get into the local culture. You just do not get the same sense as when you have to go and set up your electricity. And the only way to get that set up is if you buy somebody a crate of beer, true story. <laughs> you just wait in ages for the electricity company to set up your electricity. But you go oh. down there with a crate of beer and ha ha, ta-ra, it's like, this Electricity is the same thing. Guinea, is it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so look, you touched on your work experience because I want to get into like how you got into uh, you know being a moderator and all this kind of thing and and what that is. So you so what's your work experience? You, you started working for Microsoft uh, first of all. You said is that right? So I did. Um, I think if I go back, I've always been one of these kids who's loved stages and that sort of stuff. But yeah. I. I got conned into thinking that I wanted a corporate career and I wanted to work my way up the corporate ladder. Yeah. My parents had really high ambitions of us. And so I did a degree in accounting and finance and thought I wanted to be an accountant and then thought I wanted to be some sort of C CEO or executive. Yeah. Oh, I'm a CEO now. I just own my own company. Yeah. But, you know, right at the top of the corporate ladder in those sorts of spaces. Um, yeah. So my first couple of jobs at Microsoft, I, was, I, I actually... I don't even know how I did it. I managed to get myself in a role where I was at uni doing my final year of my degree at the same time that I was traveling around Europe representing Microsoft in a sales and marketing role, mainly marketing. Okay. Basically meant I went and said to students, this tech is amazing. Not that I understood any of it. I'm not that technical. I'm talking to developers. I don't even understand the language I'm using. Um, how, how they hired me over people who understood the products more, I don't know. It probably sure. should have been my clue. <laughs> that I'm reasonably good at communicating. Um, then I kind of stumbled into sales and, well, stumbled, stumbled into operational roles, got conned into doing sales, um, then got addicted to sales commission. But at the same time this was going on as I was working full time, I'd started speaking on stages because I was coaching and trying to find myself, like, what do I want to do? Maybe I'll be a coach, maybe I'll speak on stages. And I would stumble into these roles where I would be hosting. And um, even really early on when I was doing this, I remember coming off one stage and two people came up to me and said, how much do you charge? And I hadn't, it hadn't even occurred to me because I didn't, I didn't intend to do it. It wasn't connected to your job. This was just like like events you were just getting involved in, separate events. Yeah, separate and, events. And how did you like how did you come across these events? Was it was it stuff you were going to anyway? Or like how did how did that whole thing start? 
Um, I ended up coming across them because I was on this personal development journey. So I was going to a lot of events. A lot of my friends were starting businesses, so they wanted right. help with stuff. So it was kind of from my network, I'd get pulled into one event or another. I'd be helping somebody out. They said, well, you're really good. Can you introduce people and host? And I don't know how you do it. It seems like it's really, I couldn't understand why people were raving about this. Because to me, I thought, surely everybody can do this. It's not that difficult, you know, keep an eye on time and you know, have a bit of personality. Um, it wasn't until I started my, my LinkedIn profile started being picked up by people I didn't know yep. that I started to think, Oh, hold on a minute. Maybe there's something in this. Cause you know, when somebody links in, they drop you a message and they're like, Oh, we'd really like to work with you. And I'm looking to see how we're connected. Cause I'm thinking, I don't know you. So I'm yeah. looking and there's zero connection. So it's not easy. So it has to be a pure search on LinkedIn, nothing else and something in my profile captured their attention. So after this happened three times, I thought this is no accident. <laughs> this is really no accident. Um, and when I do them, I'd get such raving feedback. And I think the first time I watched other people do what I do, I then got to see the skill. So I was doing an event in Paris and cause normally I'm the only host that people don't normally hire a lot of hosts, yeah. but the way this event was, they had about four or five of us because it was so intense. The sessions were an hour and a half each split into three 20 minute sessions, most of which were panel discussions. So no one person could have done all of that for two days. It's a lot of work. Um, I we had three sessions each and those sessions covered about 25 to 30 introductions or people I needed to connect with. So there's no chance you could have done the whole thing. But it meant I had the opportunity to go watch other people do what I do. I was like, cool, research. So I'm sitting on some other people's sessions and I thought, ah, why are they sitting back in the chair like that? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Or, you know, just little things that I would naturally pick up on that I could see others weren't. And I thought, oh, maybe you've just got a bit of a skill for this thing. So I love traveling. I love speaking on stages. I love meeting new people. And I really love getting paid. And I got to do all of these things <laughs> in one role. So it kind of evolved from there. So you said you, you, the first events, you did it for free, basically. You just did it because you're, you're on this personal development journey. And how did you, like, do you remember what was the first time you actually asked for money or did someone offer to pay you? Like, how did you start getting paid for it? The first, I think the first time, the very first time I got paid, somebody asked me what my fee was. Yeah, okay. And it hadn't occurred to me because I, I hadn't been charging anybody. I was just doing sure. these things. You know, if somebody said, you know, this is how much it is, that would have been one thing. But nobody, nobody come to me and offered a fee. Yeah, and yeah. it hadn't occurred to me to ask. <laughs> yeah. What did you say? What was your answer? Um, so having worked in sales for a few years and not having a damn clue, I said, oh, you know, um, leave me your number. I'll get back to you and let's have a proper conversation because I'm working yeah. at the moment. <laughs> yeah. um, and then I promptly ran off and thought, shit, what do Googled we do? How much do I charge as a, as a confer? I thought, how much do people pay for this stuff? I yeah. genuinely had no idea. And and is it like just so so you had a job like, did, at a certain point did you leave your job and start doing this full time then and, and yeah and, yeah I had no choice there wasn't enough holidays available it right. was like getting to the point where every single one of my holiday days was being used to go and get on a stage so I wasn't actually taking a break I would leave sometimes it was so tight I would leave work so that I could fly there to be on stage the next day. So I right. would go into work with my bag, leave the office, jump on a plane, nine o'clock the next morning I was on stage. Then I would land late, you know, a day or two later and I'd be back in the office the next day. I didn't have enough annual leave to be able to do that. And I loved traveling. Now I was getting less and less holidays because I was yeah. just in and out of these countries. I couldn't stay. 
they're like, oh, can't you stay for a couple more days? I was like, no, because then I'm not going to be able to do more events. <laughs> yeah. If I burn through my holiday for this one, when somebody else asks me, I'm going to have no holidays to be able yeah, to take. Yeah. So it was getting a bit too exhausting. Um, th that that in the company was just becoming a bit, it was getting harder and harder for me to show up and be excited about work. My heart right, just wasn't right. in it anymore. And let's take a step back. Like, what is a job? We've mentioned moderator, host. Can can you talk about like what the job is? What what are the differences between these things? Like, you know, let, let's start from the kind of the beginning of what 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 you do and what are the different types of things you can get hired for. Oh, because it, it's a lot. It's like moderator, host, interviewer, compare. Um, what else do they want to call me? Uh, I mean, there's lots of different words. There's basically two primary categories. Yeah. Um, to me, emceeing, hosting are the, the more basic structure of events in so much as my main role is to keep things on time and introduce speakers. Sure. So, you know, it tends to be predominantly one keynote after another. I go on, hey, 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 vibe up the audience. So it's about, you know, the energy of the audience because a, a poor host, you're just bored in between and they do nothing. So it's maintaining the energy of the room, keeping things to time. Often the host is a person who's responsible for timekeeping. Um, so managing that. Uh, being flexible with changes because stuff happens. Yeah, speakers, speaker, drop yeah. speakers drop out. Speakers go well over time. <laughs> you know, speakers turn up late, so now we've got to move things about. So it's been kind of flexible with that sort of stuff and and managing that. So that you know, that's the basic. And sometimes that's literally all I'm hired for. Um, sometimes it's more interviews. Often it's a combination of both. So. To me, a moderator or a, uh, an interviewer, the moderating to me is when you have more than one person involved in a discussion. Yeah, a panel. So that's when you're doing the panels or a fireside. So it's either I'm sitting and I'm interviewing one other person or I'm sitting and there's two or three people. That yeah. is a more intense job because I've now got three different personalities who yeah. have each, let's just remember, speakers come, they've each got their own personal agendas, right? Which is sometimes different from the agenda of the organizer, which is not helpful. <laughs> My job is to help them meet their personal agendas whilst maintaining the agenda of the organizer whilst keeping it entertaining for the audience such that it's fun to listen to. Sure, sure, sure. And I have to do this with people where some people are really talkative some people are really quiet some people are going to give long answers you ask them a question 15 minutes later they've wrapped it up and you just think really um so there's a lot of work there in understanding who they are enough to be able to ask interesting questions so there's a lot of research that happens beforehand with those to pull those questions together to prep them some people have been on stages a lot some not so much because they may be representing a company now you're at the same side of the stage and you're also a counselor it's fine you'll be okay <laughs> never mind my nerves it'll be fine <laughs> it's okay i've got you i'm only going to ask these five questions so that's probably the biggest difference between the two and then a lot of words are just used interchangeably so when right. i'm talking to uh potential clients i say look it, it depends on the nature of your event do you predominantly favor keynotes is everything more interviews i do both and yeah. not everybody who can introduce and keep a stage going is any good at an interview um, not everybody can moderate like, the yeah, different yeah. skills. There's some overlap, but they're different skills. That's interesting. And, and I guess we're talking mostly about kind of conferences and conference related events, summits and things like what, what other events can, can you get hired for like outside of a conference? Uh, so I've also done corporate events. So yeah. corporate events could be one of two sorts. Um, there was a large organization I did a piece of work for last year where they were pulling together 
they actually wanted a panel discussion that they were using as part of their social media campaign. Yeah. And they wanted somebody completely, um, they had their own agenda of things they wanted pulled out from this panel of people they'd brought in. And so my job was to, to pose the questions and try and tease sure. out as much interesting stuff such that the editing team would have enough to work with. Apparently I did such a good job, they cut me out of the darn thing. <laughs> like, like, we don't need her questions, we got so much content. Um, so it can be things like that. Um, sort of, dis especially when it comes to moderating, it's any sort of discussion, whether that's online for a company when they're wanting to maintain a, a certain sort of dialogue. Not yeah. everybody is great at managing those conversations. Uh, at manage keeping things on time. So you've got a lot of conferences moving online now, yeah. lots of moving parts. You've got to keep the audience um, engaged. You've got to keep the speakers engaged. You've got to make quick decisions about what, what changes now because the times have moved on or whatever and yeah. remain entertaining and fun. Um, it's, it's funny, a, a, guy, a guy that used to work with me, and now, he now works for Google actually, and he was a compo at like sporting events, like fun runs and stuff, and he'd, he, you know, he used to do this on the weekends, and he'd just be on the mic, and he'd just have to make, you know, just keep talking, keep the energy high, make comments about people who are running and things like that, you know. It's, it was funny, I would never have thought that someone would get hired as a compo for a fun run or a sporting event, but I guess a lot of these events have people doing that as well. Well, the, the purpose is to keep the audience entertained, right? Because yeah. other, otherwise, what happens in the middle is it's a bit flat. Often I've watched organizers take a speaker and just say, oh, we'll have the speaker introduce the speakers. Yeah. And some speakers can do that, but it's not the same job. So yeah, often yeah. what happens, you know, the speaker is used to showing up and it, it's, I don't want to say it's all about them, but actually yeah. they're showing up as the expert. Yeah, yeah. As a host, I'm not showing up as yet. My expertise is in keeping every holding things together, sure, in keeping sure. in making sure that everybody's needs are met. So I, you know, I don't have just one. It's not just the audience. I've got the audience that I've got, you know, that I see as a client. Yeah. I've got the other speaker who's on the stage. My job isn't to outshine them; it's to help yeah, them yeah. be the best that they can be. And yeah. then I've got the organizer who's actually paying me. Now, yeah. if I meet all three of those needs. I've done a pretty good job. Now the organizer's got happy speakers, a happy audience, and their objectives have been met. But if yeah. I go on, the organizer's got one idea of what they want from a panel, but I go up and take that off on a completely different <laughs> tangent, they've sold one thing, I've delivered something else. So it's a lot of moving parts. And does that mean you, you want to really spend time before the event clarifying exactly what's required? Like, is, I guess that's a really important part, like spending time to be 100% sure that this is what's required of you, you know? I do. Not everybody does. I learned. Yeah. Um, I do. I yeah. do. Um, for me, it's really important that I understand the editorial line and organizers wanting to take. If you've put three people on a panel, you picked those three people on that panel for a reason. It wasn't an accident. So you brought one because you think they're going to bring a certain angle. You brought somebody else for a different angle. If I can understand what that is, then when I go and speak to each of the individuals I can get an understanding a deeper understanding of their expertise and the yeah. reason I do that is because it's really uncomfortable to be on stage ask somebody a question and have their answer be I don't know anything about that because it's outside of my zone of genius like it's just outside of my expertise I don't actually do that really you just yeah. look like a bit of a fool so I want to be able to have the questions so that everybody can partake yeah. because they're coming from slightly different angles but I also have an understanding of personalities because if somebody's really quiet and really slow, then I know I need fewer questions. If they're really talkative, I know I need to say up front, listen, I'm probably going to cut you off quite a bit. Yeah. Um, it's not rude. You tell them I just, beforehand, they're ready for Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. 
because I can't tell them on the stage. That looks yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I want to I want to be aware of this stuff before I get on the stage because then somebody knows. I say, look, I may cut you off. It's not rude. I'm doing it because actually I really want to make sure that we can cover as much as possible. So here are some questions. If you can have a think about the core points that you might want to cover in those questions, that's where I think we're going to focus. But just remember, the longer your answers, the less we're going to be able to cover. So I'd like to be able to get across these three things. But if you give really long answers, then I'm not going to be able to do that. So it you helps them to, yeah, well, if I don't, then I'm on the stage and I ask two questions and the audience gets bored after a while. It's not a conversation I'm watching. I'm just watching people do mini speeches. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. And like what, like if you were going to think about it, like what are the kind of, someone who wanted to do this, what what are kind of the skills they should look to develop? Are there any kind of high level things you could think of that are important to develop, you know, yourself to, to do this kind of work? Organization is probably right at the top. Yeah. There's You've a lot of moving parts. <laughs> to, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts and often yeah. I'll show up and people think I'm part of the event team. They don't yeah. see the difference. So yeah. I get asked a lot of questions or They'll give me an update, but they haven't given the update to the team. So if yeah. you're not, if you just want to be able to know exactly what you're dealing with and to go in, do your job and leave, uh, yeah. and you enjoy stages, speak. Do not host, do not moderate. Stuff moves too much. If you're yeah, there yeah. from start to finish, it's really quite difficult. Yeah. Um, so you need to be, you need to be okay with a changing environment and your face not showing it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. You can't, you've got to be very good at thinking on your toes. Yeah. Um, improv is very good for this sort of stuff because you get better yeah. at being able to think on your toes. Do you have um, to tell jokes? Is there an element of comedy? Like, do you have to have, do you have to kind of, do you work on some one-liners and things before you perform? I, I don't tell jokes. It's not my natural thing. If I do, it's kind of accidental. I, I don't know if they're laughing with me or at me, but it's useful to have something in your back pocket for when you get, uh, so we need you to fill the space for the next 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> which yeah. happens so what the yeah. frick are you going to do with people for 10 minutes to to keep it entertaining that you, you so you need a story you know if you if it's not a joke then have a story to tell i've done ballet twists on the stage before i've done engaging activities where i've gone okay i want to test something and let's do rather than a mexican wave we're going to do a clapping wave because yeah. our next guest is on their way i want to see you know I'll take questions from the audience something um, but so it's useful to have some of those things in your back pocket because they do get thrown at you quite often. Um, but organized is really important. The way I write my notes helps me stay on track. I used to, when I was a rookie, I used yeah. to print everything out nice and neat on A4 sheets of paper. I'd go in yeah. and it was all perfect. Um, but what would happen is by the end of the day, there were just freaking lines. <laughs> Cross yeah. that out and move this here. And then, you know, I didn't have enough pen colors. So now I'm looking at this. Thing that was nice and neat and I can't remember what's happening next or yeah. what the timings are any of that sort of stuff because there were just too many shifts in the day so I now no longer do that so having a structure to help keep you organized so that you can be really flexible to mold to the needs of the organizer yeah. and if stress bugs you don't do it yeah <laughs> is it do you have you've obviously got a very outgoing personality like do you have to have that personality to do this job should you not even consider it if, if you if you don't so I have an outgoing personality to a point, right? Because I'm so bubbly, people think they can drop me in a room, like in a crowded room, and I would be that networker. Yeah. I'm totally not. I hate spaces with like thousands of people if I don't know anybody. Like I just, it's just not fun for me. Unless I'm on the stage and then I'm doing a job and I come alive because I love that 
entertainment role. Like I feed off yeah. being an entertainer and supporting moving things forward. But if you put me in a, a room full of people, I can't deal like with a big room full of people. And that's my husband. You drop him in a room, he networks like a crazy person. Yeah. Um, you do need to be okay with being on stage and being supportive of others uh, sure. because the host and the uh, moderator role is more of a supportive role. And if you're supporting well, you get to be a star. But if you go on trying to be the star, <laughs> then it undermines yeah. it and you look like the fool, right? We, we've seen them. You're kind of like, this person is supposed to be asking the questions and they just keep commenting. Yeah, it's, it's like a lot, of, a lot of great musicians you know, in bands, they know they're not the main star, but they're the supporting role. And they do that role really, really well, you know? If everyone tried to be the star of the band, then it would just be pretty crap to watch, you know? It's like, yeah. Now, now do you... Um, like I'm curious, like obviously you're getting a lot of work. Obviously now is a tough time apart from the online stuff. How do you, I mean, obviously you talked about people finding you from LinkedIn, but but I presume at a certain point, you know, you're doing this full time, you have to market yourself and sell yourself. Like how how do you do that? How do you go about like promoting yourself to, to get work, to, to keep to keep working? Oh, there's a, there's quite a bit in this. So I'm yeah. very structured in my outreach. Like okay. I have no problems with finding, I will, um, I will, build a list of a thousand event organizers and contact them during the course of a year. Yeah. Um, I am, I and got very straight start to find these, to find these event organizers. Is it is, hard to find is, them? Is LinkedIn the best place to start looking for these events? Cause that's kind of most of my networking is LinkedIn, to be honest. I'm curious if it is for you. Uh, I don't find them on LinkedIn. I will really? find them on Google. Seriously. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. They find me on LinkedIn. I, I will connect in them with, with connect in on LinkedIn after I've um, reached out to them. Yeah. The best source of, because here's the thing, especially in conferences, they have to advertise. So all of the data is out there. Right? They're not hiding this. Corporate is different because they're not advertising publicly. So corporate gigs is more, you know, you build your network, you work LinkedIn um, and you'll find people in there. But for the conferences, they have to advertise. If they're going to get 5,000 people, there's yeah. a team of people responsible for making sure that their event is ranking and in, you know, on forums and that sort of stuff. So sure. I actively go out. I know what events I'm for. I'm not, I, I think that's the starting point. I'm yeah. not for everybody. I have a very specific style. It works brilliantly in certain spaces, um, but it's not appropriate for others. And I don't yeah. think you can say there's any speaker on this earth who is appropriate for everybody. There yeah. are some spaces and some areas in which they work really well. Um, and so for me, I know I'm great with event organizers who are creating experiences where it's not just about come in and look at the speaker, but they want people to have a good time. Yeah. And so they value that part of that good time is not just the content, but how that content is held together. Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah. when that's the case, I'm a great choice. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I love doing. I'm like, let's entertain, let's keep it fun and upbeat. And, and that's where I get the best results. Outside of that, it's normally either I don't like it, they don't like it, we both don't like it. It's just not quite so. It's not as much fun for me to do. And and I guess I looked. I guess you put a bit of effort into your, your website, and you've got some videos on there. So I presume when you contact people, you you point them to the website and say, "Look, here's an example of my work. You can see me performing live. You know, then people can actually see kind of you know what what your style is like and what you've done." When I first started, I spent a lot of energy on three things: um, getting photographs, basically getting so social proof. Yeah. Um, so photos, great quality video, because it's not just any video. Um, yeah. It's kind of like if somebody says they're a really great band and they give you a, a, a top fee and they say, come out, you know, 
I can come and perform for you. It's going to be £10,000. And then you see some scrappy video footage that one of their mates took at the last wedding they did. You just, you don't believe it. You're just like, it's not 10000 Nobody's paid you that. Yeah. <laughs> you think, what a lie. Um, so I worked on getting really great quality video footage. And the other thing I did is I got really strategic about getting testimonials um, because there's no salesperson worth their salt who's going to tell you they're rubbish. So yeah. <laughs> just nobody contacts you and said, please book me. I'm kind of mediocre. They're all yeah. going to contact you and say, please book me. I'm awesome. And yeah. so I have uh, across LinkedIn and my YouTube channel over a hundred reviews um, right. from various different people, um, CEOs, uh, politicians, like yeah. uh, audience members, event organizers. I made it my business to make, make, make getting my business easier. Um, yeah. Because otherwise what would happen is I'd have a great call, but it, it's almost as if the organizer would feel like they're taking a punt. Yeah. Because they can't, they can't back it up. So it's like, I'm taking a little bit of a chance. I wanted to remove any little bit of a chance. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's so I thing. did a lot of work to build, build that profile. Yeah, because an event organizer wants to protect the downside. They want to, they want to just be sure you're going to do a good job. And then it's one less thing they've got to worry about. Like, mm -hmm. it's, you know, that's literally, okay, we don't have to worry about that. They're going to do a good job. Next, next problem, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they clearly know what they're doing. They're confident. And the way that they do it is I've organized events myself. I've yeah. got to look and see you in action. Like you telling me, it's like a band telling me, oh, my music is kind of, no, I just get, send me a video and let me watch it. Let me experience yeah, yeah, yeah. it for myself. And yeah. then I can tell you if I like it. It's not to say it's bad. You might be yeah. great. It's just not for me. <laughs> yeah. right? That's not what I was looking for. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, my showreel after, after my testimonials, my showreel was the next thing that I got up. So first it was just any great video footage and then it was a showreel and then, it, and then I put it all together on my website. Um, but I, I was about 12 months in when I was focused, I was about 12 months in before I did my website. Cool. That's loads of, loads of really good tips there. Now what, I guess, I guess to finish, like if someone was looking to get into this, how would you think to get let's say someone you know they're still at university school maybe they're thinking they'd like to get into this like how, how would you suggest they should think about it should, should it be like you did do it for free do it part-time just present wherever you can and get experience is, is that kind of how you or, or would, is this would you suggest something different i think um with speaking it's a craft you need to build so whether you're a keynote speaker or you're hosting yeah. Um, to command the highest fees as a host, you need to demonstrate what you do, what, that you can do what you say you're going to do, right? You yeah. just actually need to be able to show people it. Sure. And initially to do that, you know, if you want somebody to pay a big fee, you kind of got to show you're worth the big fee. Um, sure. The reason certain hotels are able to charge the amount they're able to charge is because you can see that that's what they're worth. But if their photographs and stuff did not reflect that and it looked like it was taken by their five-year-old and then they want to charge you 500 pounds a night, you'd just be like, get out of town. Like, yeah. no, <laughs> I'm not yeah. going to pay it. So there is this, there's this balancing act between the money in your account and how much you look like you're worth. And when the two things are disconnected, unless you've managed to build a name that you've got your own network, it's quite difficult to get new people into that network. I'm gonna give you a really good example. Yeah. Um, she's actually a client of mine because I, I work as a sales coach for female speakers. She's a client of mine I booked for a gig and um, I actually booked her for a speaking gig that for a conference I was running, but I almost didn't. And when, you, when I tell you who this woman is and what she's done, it's like insane that we almost did not book her because yeah. when I Googled her, I couldn't find a thing. I didn't know who she was. Yeah. Um, so of course, what did I do? I jumped on Google 
and I found some really tired looking videos where she, you know, it was like a, a, an interview that she gifted to somebody, but the lighting was bad. And, you know, I just couldn't find anything of her doing what she did. I couldn't find anything that told me who she was. I jumped on her LinkedIn. There was nothing on there. I tried to find a YouTube channel for her. There was nothing there. I'm like in Google typing this woman's name and nothing is coming up. Her website really isn't helping me. I got on a call with her because a mutual friend had recommended her and she kind of said, look, really, Rivalda, she's that good. Go and talk to her. Yeah. Within 10, 15 minutes, I was like, holy crap. Like, I can't believe I almost didn't book you. Yeah, so yeah. she was one of the founding members of a company called Landmark, right. now known as Landmark. So she took it from in 10 years from inception to a few million people. She's then gone on and works with Tony Robbins, um, Jack Canfield. Like basically, if you can think of the main names in the personal development space, she right. has pretty much been behind them in some way, almost all of them, right? Yeah. None of this, when yeah. I say none of this, was anywhere to be seen in a Google search that I did of this woman. That's crazy. So even, yeah. I'm serious, right? So even if you were great at what you do, the challenge she was having was finding anybody outside of her network. So within her network, people who knew her, she was really famous. But yep. for me, I'd never heard of Marsha Martin. I didn't know who the heck she was. So now yep. I'm trying to figure it. And if I'd done the search, I would have probably been wowed straight away and we wouldn't have had that problem. Yep. So I ended up working with her because I said, Marsha, is it intentional, babe? Like, did you literally not put any of the, are you that books that it's just better yeah. for you to stay a, a good kept secret? Because that's kind of wise. <laughs> just working. Am I working too hard if I miss something? And she said, I just never quite got around to it. Um, yeah. So if you look at her profile now, I worked with her. It's totally different. Um, yeah. It says all of the amazing things that she's done. But yeah. it just goes to show that when it comes to starting out, do not underestimate the importance of your profile and, and earning your right. Because even those who have got the credentials, if that is not easily found, will can end up missing engagements or not yeah, yeah. getting books for stuff because you make it so difficult for people to figure out who you are and organizers are busy it's not their job to work it out <laughs> like just make it easy no i mean someone should google your name and it's just your instagram it's just your website which is your linkedin you know you should have all these things like you know ready to go yeah but it's Definitely. amazing um I, I work solely with women it's amazing how many just don't i google like i'm kind of going or what comes up is something different. I just think just have your profile match your expertise and make it your business as you're growing your speaking business to continuously upgrade. Sure. Um, you want to get new photos regularly. You want to get new video footage regularly. You want to keep, you don't want to keep using the same testimonial from 10 years ago. Like if you've been on stage in that, that 10 years, you could have picked up a, a, a fresher one. <laughs> so, you know, you want to keep making sure that as well as getting really great at your craft, also get really great at the business because the ones who make money in this industry do both. The ones who struggle have a brilliant craft, but they don't know how to market and they don't know how to sell. Great. Now, now you said you work with, with women. Like, is this, what, what, are you coaching them just in generally in business or is this, are you coaching them to do a similar thing to you? Like what, 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 what this kind of a business, this side of your business, what, what are you doing specifically? So I am a sales coach for female business owners. So I yep. basically, as a sales coach, I work with female business owners who want yep. to get into speaking, but don't know where the heck to start. I do not focus on your talks. I focus on the, the, the dollars and cents, like how are you going to make this a commercially viable um, business? Yep. So I look at your marketing and I teach you how to sell, what gigs are good gigs, where are your, where's your money coming from, how to negotiate those deals, because often somebody will hear no budget 
and then decide that that means no money. I've had no budget and been paid before. Like, it's not my business to find your budget. <laughs> like, you know, this is, this is how much this is worth. And um, money can always be moved around for the right sure. price. So yeah. when you can understand how to negotiate, uh, so I've basically taken my years of sales training, what I did in order to grow my business. And I noticed that there weren't as many women on stages as men. I wanted to help fix that problem. Discovered it's a sales and marketing issue. And I was like, I can do that. So I'm not the confidence coach. Don't come to me for, co- for confidence. I can't help you with that. But uh, marketing your, your speaking business um, and finding and securing speaking engagements, that's me. Sounds good. Well, that's probably a good place to finish it. Like, How can people, if they're interested to talk to you more, like, how can they get in touch with you? I guess I'll, I'll put links to your website and your Twitter and everything. Like, Is there a, is there a good place for people to start to look for you? Um, the thing with the name Lavelle de Vincenzi, literally ticket, type it in Google, you will find yeah, me. It's so yeah. SEO. Is there another one? There isn't another one. There's yeah. more Lavelders, but I, they are not, I knocked them all off the first page of Google. So if you just type Lavelda, I yeah. like write up like pretty much every, everything is me. Um, I'm very active on Instagram, Lavelle de Vincenzi on Instagram, Lavelle de Vincenzi on Facebook. Um, Lavelda at Lavelda.com. If you want to see for, for emceeing engagements. Um, but if you want to, if, if it's coaching that you're after, just drop me a DM on any of those platforms, email me, let's chat at lavelda.com. I'm yeah, my name, it's pretty easy to find me. Sounds good. Well, look, that's really interesting. A lot of great information. I want to thank you very much for your time and all the best. I hope COVID ends soon for a lot of reasons, but partly so we can all get back to work. Most. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm like yeah. missing, I'm missing the live events. Let me get on a stage. Yeah, me too. I, I can't, I love you. I'm, I'm just missing, I'm missing travel. You know, like when you travel all the time, it gets too much, but now I'm missing the travel. I'm missing, you know, getting, just getting on a plane would be nice, you know, go, go oh. somewhere. It, it's, it's, it's a, I don't like being on the plane. I like landing. And at yeah. the moment, the getting on the plane thing just got more complicated. I'm like, it was too complicated before. You guys have just made it worse. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I might be restricted to Europe for a while because if I've got to keep that mask on my face to get all the way to the US or Asia, I, I don't know that that's going to be a comfortable experience. Yeah, I can do it. Look, thank you very much. It was great to chat. Wonderful.